Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The East region where the Boilermakers of Purdue are the fourth overall number one seed for the fourth time in school history. First time since 96. The Boilermakers are one seed in the Midwest region. The Indiana Hoosiers are third team out of the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis, all Big Ten first team for the Hoosiers who finished 22 and 11 on the season. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. They're scratching the record, Mark. Indiana's going to put on their red shoes and dance, so too Purdue. Selection Sunday, the only disappointment, Kevin Bowen. I had one major disappointment of Selection Sunday. What's that? When I think of Selection Sunday and I think of the NCAA tournament, particularly from my childhood, it is it is usually the first sign that that the weather has broken and that we are starting to see glimpses at the end of the tunnel. Now, there are always like kind of curveball days in the first couple of weeks of the tournament, but it's it usually was like a sunny 60s day when I was growing up, and it was like, heck yeah, spring is here. Uh, it was kind of ugly yesterday. Not a pretty weekend. Yeah, I, see, I'm used to, obviously, Selection Sunday, of course, but uh, today's the first day of high school boys' golf tryouts. So I'm always used to snow this week. At some point this week... There'll be snow on the ground. It's like, there was snow last night. How are we supposed to play golf? But yes, brackets galore. And Jake, for the first time in my lifetime, I will see Purdue and Indiana on a bracket, both as a top four seed. Um, it's been quite some time since we've seen that, but that's what we've got with Purdue as the number one seed in the East region. So that will be a path of Columbus and then Madison Square Garden if they want to get to Houston for the final four for Indiana. That path is Albany. And then Kansas City, where they'd have to go through, in all likelihood, Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars, if they want to get to uh, the state of Texas for the Final Four. Obviously, a ton to get to, bracket-wise, all week long. Both Indiana-Purdue will fall in the evening session on Friday. Indiana, one of the last games of Round 1. That will likely tip past 10 p.m. Boy, it was a loaded, I mean, just a loaded 72 hours from a local standpoint, national standpoint, a ton to get to with the Colts and Panthers situation with the Panthers trading up the number one overall pick. Bob Kravitz at 9 o'clock, Joel A. Erickson from the Star at 8, as free agency will begin pretty much at noon today. You boys have a good weekend? It was good. Uh, Saw the elect at the Slippery Noodle on Saturday Looked like it was rocking, that picture you sent. It was great. Marty was there. Um... Anytime Michael's there, Chris Melby was there from the Pacers, and it was great. They sounded awesome, and it's that's kind of a sign also that spring and summer is upon us, so it was fun. Mark? Great weekend. Parents came down for my uh, oldest daughter's grand friends night, which was Thursday, so they were here Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We got some housework done. My dad and I installed a new sink, did some bathroom work, so we were busy there. And then yesterday we went down to Squire Boone Caverns. We did a cave tour. Now that. where is Squire Boone? They played Billy Squire the whole time? Yeah. It's Corridon. I mean, yeah, that's the state's first capital. Yeah. yeah I've, been, I've been down there. Wyandotte, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yep. how, how do you go spelunking? How tight a... 
Well, it's just a tour, so they have like you know a path you go on and everything like that. There was one path that they're like, oh, you could go that way, but they're excavating because it collapsed a little bit. I'm like, well, that sounds <laughs> yeah. Let's stay out of yeah. there. Let's oh, not right. go that way. Yeah. Uh, Rosie and I did a pillow fort cave. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's that, that'd be cool. Yeah. So it was actually you know, pretty much a similar weekend. Uh, nice. Could you guys go if you were spelunking? Could you, in actual, like in Southern Indiana, and people do this, you know, would you be able to go through, if you knew that there was like a tunnel that you had to go through to get into like a huge cavernous cave, but it was a tunnel that had like one one inch all the way around room for you to wiggle through. So you knew you weren't going to get stuck, but it was really confined. And let's say it was you know nine feet long. Could you go through it? Could you get on your I mean, belly and go long, through? That's not too you, bad. That could I, yeah, I mean, I probably could, but it certainly wouldn't be my favorite activity in my life. I, what happens if you just fr- like that? Kind of gives me anxiety. I don't have a body that really contorts very well. Like I think it'd be tough, right? Yeah, it's probably not your easiest thing to do on that day. Yeah. Um, Purdue, what they have accomplished this year, Jake, I know obviously gets it Friday, and boy, I think Memphis looming as a potential second-round matchup could be quite the matchup for the Boilers, but uh, I I do want to start here. Big Ten champions over the weekend, they hold on, (laughs) frankly, they hold on for dear life against Penn State. The Brandon Newman turnover, I'm still curious if he was trying to throw the game at that point there late. Uh, But Zach Eady, Big Ten tournament MVP, and Purdue cuts down the nets at the United Center. Jake, I don't think it's hyperbole to say they just accomplished one of the best seasons that conference has seen in decades. I mean, you win the conference by three games. That speaks for itself, and I think that probably is a greater accomplishment than winning the Big Ten tournament. But then you kind of just you kind of stamp it. Um, you validate it a little bit by winning the Big Ten tournament. Upsets galore. Purdue avoids all those landmines as they cut down the nets. Yes, I know what March and April means, and that's largely the evaluation process we go off of, but let's not overlook Purdue just accomplished one of the finest Big Ten seasons in quite some time, and considering what they lost from last year, that probably adds to it. I think, actually it was Derek Schultz that said this best on Twitter, but it's it's a very good point. Uh, Purdue this year did what Purdue last year was supposed to do, Right. Purdue last year was supposed to run away with the Big Ten and win the Big Ten tournament. And Purdue last year was probably supposed to go to the Final Four. So we'll see if they accomplish that last feat as well. But it is remarkable. To win the conference by multiple... To me, there was no question whether or not Penn State completed that comeback yesterday was at that point irrelevant. By halftime of that game against Penn State, I think Purdue had punched their ticket as a number one seed, partially because UCLA didn't reach out and grab it. But there, if you really look, I'll tell you the team, if Purdue's resume, and I know they have, they were swept by Indiana, they have, some, which isn't terrible. I mean, that's not, those aren't egregious losses, but their resume from early on, and in particular, Purdue got helped, Kevin, in terms of their resume by other teams having great year. You know, Gonzaga turning out to, to riding the ship and becoming a really good team in a top three seed, and Purdue blew them off the floor. Has that on the resume. Marquette's another one. You know, those things helped. But <coughs> Purdue never had a total collapse. I mean, each time that they hit rough waters, they managed to seem to kind of straighten it out, which is what you want great teams to do. And, 
you know, the teams amongst the number ones, because it, this is a, an interesting tournament and an interesting year because there is no one team. It's been a long time since we've had a tournament where it wasn't like blank and everyone's chasing them. But you look at Kansas. Kansas was in the running for the number one overall seed in the tournament. And Kevin, Kansas's losses, they have like seven losses. They're all by double digits. When Kansas loses, they get blown off the floor. Uh, every team in here is susceptible. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah, obviously Houston dealing with a big injury with Marcus Sasser, um, their best player. He did not play in the American Conference title game. Memphis beat Houston in that title game. Had a big lead on them early, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Certainly Alabama, as talented as they are and as terrific of a player as Brandon Miller, they have a looming cloud hanging over them throughout the tournament. So Alabama slotted into the Louisville region. That is the south region. If you're looking at your bracket, that's top left. Bottom left, we'll have Purdue in the New York region. That's Madison Square Garden if they make it to the Sweet 16. Top right, that would be Houston going to Kansas City in the Midwest region. Kansas gets shipped out to Las Vegas. They're in the bottom right. That West region, if you look at, I know a lot of people like to look at those Ken Palm rankings of the top, um, I think the West region has five of the top 11 teams in Ken Palm. So that seems to be, if there is a loaded region, you would point And that's which one's number one? That. Uh, Kansas is the one seed. Your two would be UCLA. Your three, Gonzaga. Your four, UConn, who I really like. Um, five seed, St. Mary's, six TCU. Um, so that is the one that I think a lot of people pointed to is the toughest region. Uh, no Rutgers, no Wisconsin, no Michigan. So the three Big Ten teams that entered the Big Ten tournament on the bubble, all three of them miss out. Chris Reynolds, former, of course, IU player, the committee chair, mentioned yesterday some injuries played into that for Rutgers. And then, you know, with their current group, the group that would be there in the tournament, they were three and seven. This year, a really poor non-conference schedule. So, a year after Rutgers gets into the playing game in Dayton, they will not be there. What do you think about? Uh, I, it was funny. I was texting a, uh, a buddy of mine yesterday. I'm like, "Watch this. IU is going to play Kent State 4-13 matchup. You know, just Rob Senderhoff, uh, the former Kelvin Sampson assistant. Sure enough, 9:55 Friday night in Albany, New York. It will be IU against." Kent State. What do you think about the uh, draw for the Hoosiers? Yeah, I thought Indiana got a pretty decent draw, actually, because here's here was my thought. And Kent State's not bad. I, you know, I mean, obviously that's a team that out of a mid-major, so you're not getting one of the, like, really small schools. But I thought Indiana, Kevin, played themselves into or backed their way into, if you will. My worry was that they were going to be, and maybe this is what happened, the fourth number four seed, which means they get the toughest number 13 seed. If you look at the other 13 seeds, Furman, which is the Paladins, by the way. Uh, do we know what a Paladin is, Mark? It's a Star Wars guy, isn't it? Paladin. This is not like a drum. Paladin, Paladin, where of. do you roam? It was, the, it was the TV show that the kids sing about in Stand By Me. That's all I know. Louisiana was the 13th seed, and Iona. And Iona, I think, is decent. But So I do think that Indiana slid back a little bit and was close to being a five. Kevin, um, but I think their draw, I, I think their region is fairly favorable. You know what I mean? Like, I think that if you, to your point, all the regions obviously are going to have some loaded teams in it, right? I mean, you've got to divide them up somehow. But 
That second rounder, I think Drake can be a little tricky. Miami is a little intriguing, but you're maybe getting Houston limping a little bit. So for Indiana, and then the bottom of it, Texas is a little worrisome because of what they just did to Kansas, and they're obviously good. We know that Indiana can beat Xavier. So I think I think Indiana got about as good a draw as you could hope for, to be honest with you. Uh, Miami's big guy, and again, that's the 5-12 Miami Drake opposite Indiana Kent State. Miami's big man uh, got hurt against Duke in the ACC tournament. That will be, I think it was a sprained ankle. That'll be something, obviously, to monitor, not only for Miami's first-round game, but potentially facing Trace Jackson Davis in the second round. You know, talked about the Marcus Sasser injury earlier, Houston's best player. Uh, Kent State is 28-6 and on the year. They went 15-3, and three, the second-place team in the MAC. Uh, they dominated Toledo in the MAC title game. They are an old team. Their top three scores are all redshirt seniors. Again, when you think of a Kelvin Sampson former assistant, you know, put all the off-the-court jokes aside for a second, you certainly know they're going to get after you on the defensive end. And kind of unlike Houston a bit, they really put up a ton of points, Kent State. Um, not afraid to shoot it from anywhere on the floor. Um, I think they saw their top 20 in steals. If you look at their schedule this year, they went 15-3 and in the MAC. They actually lost at Ball State by 12. Uh, in the non-conference, they lost three games all on the road to tournament teams. They lost to Charleston by two. They lost to Houston by five. So that was Senderhoff facing Kelvin Sampson, the former assistant, squaring off there. And they lost to Gonzaga by seven. So um, this does seem to be, at least in the non-conference, they tested themselves at Houston, at Gonzaga. And I think the early line I saw on this one was Indiana favored right around five. You know, Indiana, Kevin, and it is odd to only have two you know, Indiana teams that we're talking about, IU and Purdue, right? Indiana feels like a team that could go out, not shoot the ball well, and have one of those just feel like you're stuck in the mud games and lose to Kent State by five. They also feel like a team that could go out and 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 get hot and Jalen Hood Shafino starts waking up that mid game range, mid game, excuse me, shot. And Trace Jackson Davis, we know what he can do. And all of a sudden, some shots start dropping, and boom, Indiana becomes the hot team and let's go. And they're in the Final Four. I, to me, they feel equally plausible. Uh, for Purdue, they will have to wait to know their opponent. They are part of the uh, play-in. Texas Southern, the worst team in the tournament, and then Fairleigh Dickinson, they will meet Wednesday in Dayton. Purdue will take on the winner of that again. Purdue's going to play in Columbus, so you know the winner in Dayton, that's not too far of a travel for them. Uh, and then Memphis and Dusty May in Florida Atlantic at 31-3. and That is the 8-9 matchup for Purdue. Jake Penny Hardaway and Memphis, they've got a pretty good team. We mentioned they just beat Houston yesterday to win the American. They've beaten tournament teams in Vanderbilt and VCU and Auburn this season. Um, that, that to me, is kind of an interesting matchup for for Purdue. Duke is the five. Tennessee is the four. They would not see either of those teams until the East region. Uh, Tennessee's missing their best player. Um, if you look at it, I would say from a like two, three, four seed standpoint, if you told a Purdue fan yesterday, hey, you're going to get Marquette, Kansas State, and Tennessee – you would have been like, okay, sign me up for that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, 
You know, I, you, you you of course got to get there, and there's gonna, naturally going to be some upsets. But I think from a two, three, four standpoint, you got to be pretty pleased if you're if you're the Boilers. I tell you, Memphis scares me though. I would agree. I would agree. I, there's with that. just something uh-huh. about Memphis that that that's you know, and I don't know if I'm just going off of reputation. When I think of Memphis, I just think of teams that are that absolutely create havoc. Kind of going back to Penny Hardaway, to the way he played. Right, he played at such a frantic pace and they always have you know six seven to six nine guys that are that are long uh, memphis worries me a little bit yeah their best players a little guard kendrick davis but they do have a six nine um actually transfer i think from ball state if i'm not mistaken uh memphis this season lost to alabama by three they beat nebraska by 12 if you're looking for common opponents there uh the last two months and this probably shows you a little bit more of how poor the american conference was this season they lost three games two of those were to houston and then they avenged the houston loss yesterday in the conference title game uh they also lost to ron hunter's Tulane green wave by one in overtime, if they play Florida Atlantic, Purdue again, Florida Atlantic thirty-one and three. Florida Atlantic has a seven-one, two hundred and forty-pound Russian dude. How great would that be to see Zach Eady and that guy face off? <laughs> I like. Can you describe him again, please? Seven-one, two forty Russian dude. <laughs> Last think, name Goldine. You think on campus that's what he's known as? Hey, you see that Russian dude walking around? Jake, I would say in the Boca Raton area, seven-one, two forty stands out a bit. Seven-one, two forty stands out anywhere. Yeah, to no be kidding. fair. Uh, but that could be a potential second-round matchup for the Boilers. Uh, obviously, a big part of this week, and Jake, you have cooked this up. Um, numbers game. And we actually have prizes Hell this yes, year, right? Oh, yes, we have actual prizes. Can you believe that? And it's not just drinking PBR and eating Long's Donuts with us I mean, in the morning. Oh, and by the way, maybe you could. Let, let me say, Friday, the PBR Donut Show, rave reviews. Rave reviews. Yeah. I'm not saying that you need to be going around and doing this on a friday basis but but (laughs) rave reviews by the way um you have been to the garage at bottle works district right oh it's a favorite of of the family mark you've been there yep love it because here's the thing you go down like we went downtown saturday night to to the noodle and you know you kind of get tired of going to the same restaurants all the time that's what bottle works and the garage is there for exactly that and one of the best places that you're going to be able to get food there jay's lobsters and fish uh, jay's lobster and fish market in the garage Right there, serving up the taste of the East Coast. Matter of fact, Matthew and Maine will love it because they have plenty of lobster, crab, and shrimp rolls. New England-style seafood shack, bringing a taste of the East right here to Indianapolis. And here's what we're going to do. The winner of the so our tournament bracket pool. We now have the opportunity for four. Yes, that's that's correct. Four ways to win. So this is an addition, right? Because usually it's just three. Usually just three. Now we have enough for four. A lot of participation trophies being handed out here. So the winner that gets the team that wins the national title is going to get $100 worth of dinner. Go out for dinner at Jay's Lobster and Fish Market at Bottle Works, which in itself is a totally cool area. $100 dinner for the national champion, he or she who draws the national champion. Then, of course, the runner-up, going to get a $50 dinner. But you don't have to have just a good team in order to win. That's right. the beauty of all this. Two other ways to win. You can have the, the Peacocks. The double-digit seed to advance the furthest. The Peacocks was that team a year ago. Now, the tiebreaker, because let's say, for example, that two number 12 seeds get the furthest, okay, and then they both lose in the same round. They both lose in the Elite Eight. First tiebreaker becomes then which one loses to 
the better team. That gives them benefit of the doubt that they win. So if, if one loses to a one seed, the other's ousted by a seven seed. The one that loses to the one seed then becomes your winner. Uh, after that, it becomes a – if they're still the same seed line, then it becomes cumulative scoring. That, those are, These are the query tiebreakers. Okay, got it. Uh, and then lastly, the team to get blown out by the largest margin. So, for example, if you draw – Texas Southern or you know whatever and right. you're like oh man well if they lose by 38 you got a shot now we have Valerie who is the official scorekeeper of the show oh and Valerie her only you tell me if this is fair I'll let you guys as the panel decide mm-hmm. she wanted to pick a number she wanted to be able to f- pick the, f- the first number oh okay she randomly assigned the number so she probably knows who the teams are it sounds a little insider trading if i'm gonna be totally honest but each team in the field big phil mickelson did that each one. team in the field has been assigned a random number so people call in they say i'd like number nine because my child's nine years old and was born on september 9th no problemo number nine hey, boom, max was you born have... on september 9th yeah see there you go that's exactly what i was Look thinking at that you ain't Did dealing you know with that? The, you, ain't, you ain't dealing with the By the way, we cap. put Max in the Barcelona outfit the other day. Maddie loved it. <laughs> really? Loved it. We Finally almost, grew into I, it, right? Honestly, it was almost the same day we put Rosie. Rosie wanted to wear her Clemson dress. Hell yes. I said, I don't think they're making the tournament. We got to put that back. <laughs> they did make the tournament, did they? And they were like ranked were at one point this year. Yeah, them, Oklahoma State, North Carolina, of course. I thought Rutgers was going to get in, to be honest with you. I, I appreciated Chris Reynolds' transparency in explaining that. Yesterday, again, from an injury standpoint, the wing's name I starts with an M. I always butcher how to pronounce it. But since he got hurt, they went three and seven the rest of the way. And, you know, Jake, remember last week when we were talking about Rutgers and it was like, this is Indiana from last year. They're going to win that 8-9 game. And everyone thought Indiana was in last right. year after winning the 8-9. But no, you got to go beat the one seed. You're right. You're and that right. was Rutgers' opportunity with Purdue and, of course, they did not win that one. So thank you to Jay's Lobster. We will give out those numbers a lot here over the next few days. Um, we'll we'll give you a little warning on when we're going to ask for callers for that. But that is something that I know listeners love. So thank you uh, to them for that. Again, Joel A. Erickson from the Star at 8. Bob Kravitz at 9. Mark Dykton, I know we traded a few texts on Friday. Mm-hmm. Your level of excitement, non-excitement, when you saw the Bears move back to number nine. Over the moon. Number nine? Yeah. Great number trade nine. by Ryan Poles. You got two number ones, two number twos, and a legit number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, which apparently was the uh, the caveat that he was hoping to get. They offered apparently the third, a third first-round pick for 2025, but Ryan Poles said, I'd rather have the legit number one wide receiver who's cost-controlled for the next three years. So they threw DJ Moore in. Deal got done. Bears look great. Obviously, a lot of Colts implications off of that. We will touch on, um, for me, I guess, just kind of two things briefly on it. The Colts continue to lose control ahead of them uh, because you had a quarterback needy team move up to one. You have a non-quarterback needy team trade out of one. So that obviously is not ideal. And I would say the other thing, it was just a reminder of where this franchise is at. Like, the, the, the Colts could not have done such a trade that Carolina did. We'll explain that a little bit more. Um, but I would say two things. Again, you're losing control, and I'd say for the first time in this process, I'm sitting here a month and a half out of the draft and thinking, should the Colts wait? Should the Colts call Lamar Jackson? Those are thoughts I would not have entertained seriously 
Friday morning. But now those are questions I've actually asked myself and think, gosh, do you really want to go with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at four? Or should you wait? And that is such a thought that I think our listeners know I've never even entertained. Always felt like they when you lacked say wait, urgency. When you say wait, what do you mean by that? Potentially wait till 2024, Jake. I know. Trust me. And it is a foreign thought that I do not. But I, you, you are then... I don't like it at all. And I have been the, probably one of the biggest advocates in saying you got to get the bat off your shoulders. Then you you're can't. waiting for Caleb Williams or the kid out of North Carolina. And You know, what happens if... There's, I know. There, there's a lot of sucky It's teams, no slam man. dunk that you just get that guy next year. No doubt. No, and there's no no guarantee that you're going to be in like, the running to be able to get one of those Tampa guys next year. Tampa doesn't even know if they're going to be able to field a team based on their salary cap. And, and you're trying to lobby to get in the front of the left lane there to get a number one pick? I mean... It's just the reality of when you look at I'm now being the teams, sarcastic about Tampa, by the way, but they're like $75 million over the cap. You know, if you look at the teams above you, obviously Carolina's going quarterback. Obviously Houston's going quarterback. If I'm Chris Ballard right now, I've got to move up to number three because I need to be now in control of that first breaking point. I know, you know, moving up one spot might not seem like the biggest deal in the world, but at least at three now, you're the one that gets to kind of maneuver. Yeah, and, and, you're making and the choice calls. between Levis and Richardson, right? It's not other teams dictating who's going to be left for you at number four. So we'll certainly touch on that today as well. Uh, it is kind of an ugly start to the Monday, or at least I, I think weather-wise. Start to the week. Yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit of a poor weather day. So um, we'll obviously monitor that. A whole lot to get to on this March Madness Monday here. Recap and selection Sunday and previewing free agency. The Colts have already made one move here in free agency. Uh, we'll chat about that more with Joel A. Erickson from the Star coming up at 8. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton on a PBR-free Long's Donut Free Monday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Just after 8 o'clock on a Monday, NCAA Tournament Selection Monday, if you want to call it that, after yesterday's announcement, Purdue a number one seed, Indiana a four seed. Both of them will play on Friday night. We will, over the course of the week, be giving away our numbers. We have actual prizes now uh, to get you dinner at the Garage at Bottle Works. More on that coming up. Feels so good to hold it, Jake. I'm just looking at it. What? <laughs> the actual prize information there. You might want to be a little more descriptive Mark. next And the time. bracket. Mark, gosh. The bracket, the bracket of course. Beautiful. It's the be- It literally is like the best week of the year. No question about it. But in addition to college basketball that will dominate the majority of talk this week, there is NFL free agency underway. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, he is the guy that talked about the fact that Taekwon Lewis is going to Stay in Indianapolis. Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star joins us. Joel, we'll begin with that. Was that a surprise to you that a Taekwon Lewis deal came about as quickly as it did? No, actually, this is this is right around. I don't know if he signed on Sunday last year, but he signed right around the same time uh, last year. I think there's there's a recognition from Lewis that you know, just given 
the patellar tendon injury that the Colts are probably the best situation for him. And, and the, Chris Ballard has always loved him uh, with, I mean, with good reason in terms of what he brings on the field. If you if you look at the deal too, I mean, it's it's super heavily incentive laden. It's not like they gave somebody a bunch of money who, who's who's had some ish, injury issues. So it's it's not really surprising at all. I think it's it's the same deal, uh, a little bit less money, but it's basically the same deal he got last year. Just he just rehab the other leg essentially. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. When healthy, versatile, consistent, trustworthy, all the things that you would want. Um, so yeah, Tyquan Lewis, as Joel reported yesterday, back with the Colts. I want to get to free agency and kind of stick there, uh, I guess, a little bit later. But let's go to the big news from Friday, Joel, and that was Carolina trading up to the number one overall pick. Um, you know, when I saw that, I guess my initial reaction, a couple things. One, it's... You continue to lose some control um, because it's a quarterback needy team now above you, another quarterback needy team, and it's a team that I I think you know has a little bit of intel. I don't know if it's a giant amount of intel, but there are some you know important people in that Panthers organization that had important roles in the Colts organization. Uh, what did you make of what Carolina did and how that impacts Indianapolis at four? Well, everyone's always kind of said that Carolina was a team that was possibly going to come up, and the the biggest reason was their owner. You know, David Tepper has been since the moment he bought that team, has been very outspoken about wanting to, to get better quickly. Um, obviously, they've kind of been through the same thing that the Colts have with with quarterback, with some less big-name options. And so Carolina's always been a, a threat there. Um, I, I think they probably felt like sitting at nine with four quarterbacks on the board, um, you had to worry about the Colts and you had to worry about the Raiders and who they were going to pick and Really, you have to worry about Seattle has tried to say that they might uh, be interested in a quarterback if the right situation came about. And then there's always a wild card with Detroit and not knowing what they're going to do. So they had to jump people, and they, they knew they had to jump people, uh, including the Colts, and so they went all the way up to the big one. And I, I almost think the, the, the thing I was thinking initially was everyone was talking about, like, either they gave up too much, the Colts didn't give up enough. Um, and – we we always talk about the process in the NFL and football people always talk about process. But with quarterback, the process almost doesn't matter as long as the guy you end up starting is really, really good. I mean, if if you look at the Colts veteran quarterback decisions over the last couple of years, when they happened, they were all individually defensible. But the collective weight of it is, you know, what led to Frank Reich's firing every and where where the Colts are now. And it's kind of the same thing with rookies. If, if the Panthers, if the Panthers draft, you know, CJ Shroud, and he he becomes a, an All Pro or a Pro Bowler, and is a quarterback there for the next ten, fifteen years, Panthers fans are not going to care at all what they gave up. Um, and so I, I've always liked the idea of going up if you have a guy that you want to get. Now, I know a lot of Colts fans are upset that the Colts didn't move up and aren't going to try to get their guy. And I'm. I've, like I said, I've always been a, if you, if you think somebody's the guy, go get him. Uh, I guess if you don't necessarily think someone's the guy, you just got to make sure that whatever you're doing right now, you end up with a quarterback who works because, uh, it's, it's, that would have been true if they'd gone to one. That'd be true if they stayed at four. That's true if they trade down. But obviously it, it heightens a little bit of pressure. I don't know if you could heighten the pressure on the Colts to find the quarterback any more than it already was, though. 
Yeah, you would think 4-12-1, kind of rock bottom when you look at the quarterback depth chart as well. Joel A. Erickson from the Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, um, I, I think that number three pick right now is gold. I think Arizona can just dangle it, and that's the first breaking point of the draft, in my opinion. So if I were Chris Bauer, I'd look long and hard at just trying to get there. And now you can dictate a little bit more of the draft, and you can field calls and not be in the one uncertain of if another quarterback needy team is going to climb above you. Having said that, I'll give you three options, and if you could put the Ballard hat on. One option is you call Lamar Jackson and entertain that. The next option is you take Will Anderson at four, and then you come back and try to find wherever Hendon Hooker is going to fall with that second pick that you have. The third option is you wait totally until 2024, which I guess you could take Anderson potentially and then wait till 2024 at quarterback as well. If you're wearing Ballard's hat, where do you think he goes? If those are the three options, number two is the one that's, that I think – I feel like they, they know they have to get a quarterback and feel like they can, can develop them. And I guess with Hooker, you're trying to kind of replicate the – Hooker, you're trying to kind of replicate the Jalen Hurts scenario in Philadelphia. Does he get to 35, uh, which is your second round pick? I think if you, I think if you, if you say took Will Anderson at four and Hendon Hooker was your target, I think you're probably coming back into the first round at the back end of the day. I uh, mean, I d- don't you feel like though with Hooker, Joel, that this is one of those things of it's it's. To me, it, it goes back to, I remember when LeBron James was in his rookie year at Miami, and every team in the NBA is like, you know, don't don't say anything, but they're starting to free up money because they want to like have a big, huge cap space when LeBron James becomes a free agent. Then you find out like 12 teams are doing the, same, the exact same thing. To me, we're all whispering like the Colts can be brilliant and slide back and take Hendon Hooker. I, don't you think probably there's like six other teams thinking the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I think that's why I think if you if if you end up if if that's the end, if that's the route you end up taking, there was a report from Aaron Wilson yesterday that the Colts are doing a, are going to bring Hooker in for a visit. That's not necessarily an indicator of. I know everyone likes to look at those as indicators. Yeah, that's, that's due diligence, right? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do that probably with all all of them. But I mean, they're at, at the very least somewhat interested. But I think if that's the play, if you're doing Will Anderson and. and I think you're going to end up with that second pick having to move up. You'll, you're to, you'll take somebody at four, and then I think at some point you're back in the first round. I don't know how high you have to go, but I think at some point you're back in the first round to get him, um, unless unless you get lucky and Will Levis is falling and, and it, it gives you a little bit of a buffer there. I mean, is it crazy to think Hendon Hooker could go 11 to the Titans? Or 18 to Detroit or 20 to Seattle? I mean, when you start thinking about some other quarterback teams, Detroit and Seattle are more of a bridge period. I don't know if Hooker's viewed as that, given his age, but, boy, it almost seems like very wishful thinking to assume he's going to get to the second round. And or, and we saw this with Baltimore back in the 2018 draft, a lot of teams like to get back into the first round to get that fifth-year rookie option on a quarterback contract. That's what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson, ironically, in 2018. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to 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 peg Hooker and where he'll go because of it. Now I, I know I was reading I was reading Bruce Feldman yesterday, and he was he had a report that was, was talking to a quarterback coach, and that Hooker was really really good in the interview at the combine, and that that stuff's gonna gonna play well with him. And I think if you if you watched his interview or did his interview at the combine, that was pretty obvious. Um, uh, just. Very mature. I mean, like you say that, and everyone's like, "Well, duh, he's older." But like, 
you, there was a there was a some of the stuff that Shane Steichen talked about with the professionalism and the and knowing the offenses and and being able to talk through that and and your process and how you do stuff. It was just right there with him, and I could I could definitely see teams thinking, hey, we we want to get in on that, especially if we're in a developmental situation. Um, before the Saints signed, you know, Derek Carr, I would have said, watch out for New Orleans down there at the bottom, um, too. So, it, it, free agency. And the other thing is, I don't know if free agency is going to change things for a ton of teams. Um, you know, quarterback needy teams. You know, I don't know if there's a ton of options out there. Uh, in terms of like the Russell Wilson trade, where suddenly a team just doesn't need a starting quarterback anymore, even even if even if you're the Jets and you get Aaron Rodgers, you feel like, I mean, you you they've they've sort of talked about continuing to develop Zach Wilson, but you probably are gonna you're gonna need a quarterback because who knows if Rodgers is gonna retire next year or tomorrow or whenever it strikes him. Um, you know, same thing with like if you get Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo as a as a long-term guy, although maybe if you're if you're looking to draft like an Anthony Richardson and and sit him for a year or two, then Garoppolo gives you a little bit longer leash. But there's just not guys that are going to take teams off the board quarterback-wise. And so I think that with with Hooker, who seems like to me the the very clear Hurts option, where the, he's the next guy after the top four in this draft, I, I think there's a lot of wild card there in terms of what teams might want to do. And Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Stars with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Starting at noon today, you'll start to see free agents agree to terms around the NFL with other teams. Officially, free agency doesn't begin until Wednesday at 4, but you'll start to see that with that legal tampering period starting at noon. Um, I, I would guess Bobby Okereke, Joel, is one that would be on a different team uh, at some point this week, potentially as early as noon today. Um, your thoughts on that, and if you think anyone else will fall into the Taekwon Lewis, let's get this done before free agency begins a category for the Colts. So I think Okereke is one who could be off pretty early, although it it is a pretty of all, you know, in a market where most of the free agent classes position-wise are pretty bad, um, there's a lot of linebackers. But I still think Okereke, given his age and production, is one of the guys who probably – could go off here in the first couple of days. Ngakwe is another guy who I could see end up signing elsewhere here in the first couple of days just because... you think any chance he returns? I think there's a chance if the price point stays, stays you know, so maybe around where it was last year or, or, or something like that. But, like, there's just not a lot of edge rush help in free agency. Clear, proven edge rush help. And usually what happens is those guys' values get inflated. So... I keep thinking that because there's not a ton of options out there, he's going to get paid. That's why I think he might be goes off the board early. In terms of guys who I could see coming back, like in the next couple of days, um, Chase McLaughlin. I've been kind of wondering, you know, if that's somebody that they. I know that they, they've talked to him. I know they've they've they've. It's it's all been positive there. They haven't uh, had anything necessarily imminent. But if it was me, I'd want to keep him around. I mean, I, you can. I'd. I'd Probably add competition. That's what you do at kicker. But like nine to twelve from from fifty yards. I think last year was probably after the first game the best kicking season that Colts have had. I guess since eighteen ish. Um, and so that's that's one that I could see see baby coming back. I, I don't. I haven't been able to figure out exactly what Ashton Doolin's situation is. Um, you know, it seems like a guy you can get back fairly cheap. But then there's also you know 
who knows if somebody gives him the deal that San Francisco gave George Odom last year, where they give him a three-year deal to, to bring in somebody who gives good depth and adds special teams. So uh, I think that I think that those are the, the deals that make the most sense to me are guys who are kind of not going to sign as big a deal as possibly signing back. I don't know that there's a ton of those guys. McLaughlin is the one that, that I've really been trying to monitor the most. Joel, it's probably too early to know this, but to circle back to kind of the original point, I want to get your opinion on this. If the narrative is in the NFL, regardless of team, that if you have the guy that you fall in love with, you do what you have to to go get him. Is it possible that the Colts are a franchise that in this year's draft there's nobody that they fell in love with? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, Chris Ballard told us point blank there at the combine. You know, if we move up to one, I I can't remember exactly what he said, but there's there's I think he said there's no freaking doubt in our minds that this guy is a guy. Um, and so I, I think that it's it's possible that Carolina being able because. I know Carolina offered DJ Moore, and that's a, a really good thing. I I still think if the Colts wanted to, I'm sure there's there's a, a an overpay that we'd all be talking about now that they could have done to, to beat that somehow. Maybe it would have taken all. Maybe it would have taken too many first round picks. Who knows? But if you had a guy that was there was no freaking doubt, like for me, I'm just gonna pay it. You know, because uh, what I said earlier, if 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 you get the guy, no one's gonna care what you gave up later. Um, the hard part is the hard part I think with this is if you're only ever going to move up for you know the no risk prospect I don't know that they're going to have that um, you know we they they the NFL had Lawrence coming down the pike and people were saying you know they best since Andrew Luck uh, and then Luck was like the best since uh, John Elway or Peyton Man I can't remember who people were saying but like Generally, these guys aren't supposed to come around that quickly. Now, Burrow, I think, was a different thing. Burrow was uh, a prospect that turned into one of those guys out of nowhere, a clear number one guy um, with with his senior season. But I don't know if you're always going to have those. And so, you know, you. I think if if you're if you're somebody whose team needs a quarterback, there's a part of you that wants someone wants you to go. Okay, well, Kansas City. Do what Kansas City and Buffalo did, where you're like, maybe maybe there's risk with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but that's our guy, and we're going to go get. Him. And there's Joe. Let's be honest. There's a difference between being the clear cut number one quarterback in a draft because you have clear cut number one talent, and there's a difference between being a clear cut number one quarterback in the draft because you're in a draft where teams clear cut need a quarterback. That's the difference. That's you know, that's and good. and to me, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning, John Elway, those guys were going to go number one whether or not Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, Lawrence Taylor, and Dick Buckus were in the same draft because they were elite-level, can't-miss products at quarterback. That's different than there are five or six teams that need a quarterback and there are three of them that look like they could be first-rounders so everybody's jockeying, which is where I think we are right now. That's just me, but that's where I feel like we are. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, there, you've got some teams that are really in desperate situations quarterback-wise. Uh, you know, Carolina, I was writing about the trade the other day. Carolina and, and Indianapolis, it's, it's it's kind of stark how both teams have been through the veteran route and everything's gone bad on them, and, and it's just very obvious they need to have something more stable there 
Houston, I think we all know what happened in Houston. Um, the Raiders let their guy go, which inevitably puts pressure on you to find somebody better. I mean, uh, not that Derek Carr is great, but if you if you give up on him and push him out the door, that means that you have you're promising your fan base that uh, a better quarterback than Derek Carr is coming through the door. Um, so yeah, there, I, I think that's right. There, there's there are teams that just very very badly need a quarterback, and so that probably that probably allows them to uh, ignore some of the maybe not ignore, but you, you you don't react to the risk the same way. Flip side of it that I keep thinking about is like even just because we don't necessarily talk about some of these guys as having the upside of the perfect quarterback prospects doesn't mean that these guys don't have upside. They might not turn into one, um, which is, is something that's kind of happened over the last couple of weeks where I feel like it's like, well, CJ, there's, there's like this thread of thinking that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are what they are and they'll never get better. And I just keep thinking like with Stroud, especially, I mean, if, if, if Stroud is a guy that, that everyone saw against Georgia, that looked like a lot of upside to me in terms of creativity and playmaking. So, um, these pros- these prospects are imperfect, but there still is the chance that with some of them that they get a lot better and that their upside is something we don't see right now. Yeah, and I think there's also an element of you you pay that price to be the one making the choice before other quarterback needy teams do the choosing for you. Um, Joel, last one from me, and Joel Erickson joins us. Thanks for the time, Joel. I know it's going to be a busy day and a busy week for you. Um are you under the assumption Matt Ryan is off this team by Friday when his bonus is due? I I am. I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been anything. That has, nothing's happened there yet. Uh, it seems like, well, it seems like the team needs the cap space a little bit. Right. Um, but also just, I just keep thinking about Matt Ryan and, you know, does, does Matt Ryan's always been a starter and does he want to be a placeholder? Now, if you're going to pick Richardson or maybe even Levis and you want to have a, a starter there who will, who will essentially have that guy you're comfortable with while that guy sits. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe Ryan's that kind of guy, but do you want to do that? 35 million? I don't know. So I've, I've been expecting Matt Ryan to be off the roster. Uh, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened yet. Uh, okay, last last one. Sorry, uh, Kenny Moore, Mo Ali Cox, Ryan Kelly. Are they all on this team come April first? Good question. Um, Jalen Ramsey got traded for a third yesterday in a tight end that I'm not real familiar with in Hunter Long. <laughs> um, which apologies to Hunter Long. I, I just don't know him very well. Um, but the price point for Jalen Ramsey in terms of picks and stuff was not that high, and so I wonder if. I wonder what you can get for those players, but I also think that Ballard is the kind of GM who that won't necessarily deter him from doing something. You know, they they traded Naheem Hines uh, for a fifth rounder, uh, and people wonder, you know, did they get and for Zach Moss? They wonder, you know, did they get enough for a player that they had had made a part of the the organization? Um, but Ballard Ballard likes those picks and likes to get something for first. For, so I don't know that the price point's going to matter. Um, he also he also when we when he was asked about are there any vets on this team that might not be around because they get released or traded he kind of said we'll work through that he didn't say no right uh, which made me think that one that that some of those guys might be Moelle Cox was a surprising name to see in a report yesterday just because Ballard said he really likes our tight end group and to me if you get rid of Moelle Cox you don't 
at least based on what we've seen so far, you don't have a blocker left. And it's not a huge uh, savings, to be fair. As right, like, that like, one was a little that one was a little surprising to me, just because of what it would do to your roster and your running game. Um, you know, he's not Jack Doyle, but he's sort of the the big the big guy on the end of the line who, who's done a lot for the running game. You'd have a hole. That would create a, a significant hole. Um, whereas, like with Pinter, Kenny Moore would create some some depth issues at cornerback. But you know, this is a team that likes longer ones, so I could see you wanting to do that. And then obviously Pinter's there for Ryan Kelly. Getting rid of Mo Ali Cox, I don't know if you like your tight end group as much, just because you don't you don't have a, a blocker anymore. Joel, I, I see your Missouri Tigers are a seven seed. They've got Utah State to open. Southern underdog, Joel. Yeah, if yeah they, they, well, the only single-digit underdog, I think. Utah State is 33 spots higher than Missouri and Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. So, not, real tough, real tough opening round here. And, and, and then, it's, well, it's, it's a moot point because they're screwed when they go against Arizona in the second round, right? It's it's a fill it up. Well, you want to win the game. I mean, it's been a real fun. Missouri fans were not expecting to get much out of Dennis Gates' first season. And I think um, I think them, you know, the, the game where they beat Tennessee on the 40-footer from uh, Golston at the end, they've had a couple of games like that. Like, this has been a, a pretty fun ride, I think, for most Missouri fans, although Missouri fans are, are generally negative in nature. Um, this has been a pretty fun ride. And I, I, I personally would like to get a win out of the Utah State game. It's, it's two teams that can both score. And so I always feel like when you get Games like that, that like the thing I'm worried about is if there's any four minute stretch where your shots aren't going down, you're just out of the tournament. Are, you there, know? are there any positive fan bases in nature? He said that's negative. A good question. Yeah. You know what? That's a good question. I think, I think, uh, I think there's some that are more negative than others. Like I think, I think Bears fans are the best uh example of this oh that's mark like listen you joel that was very kind of you ohio state could be playing the 85 bears and their fan base is like oh buckeyes yeah buckeyes gonna roll i mean yeah they can't stop them i mean there's no way I, that, so th- there's one yeah that's a good one. yeah ohio state like alabama is another one where they're like they're like we're gonna destroy everybody and if if we don't win every game by 35 points nick saban should get fired <laughs> well um, the problem so is they do both those things there's a couple of blue blood ones like that that are probably like that. I, um, I, I, I think Missouri fans though, like, and people here don't know this, but like, there's like a fifth down that Missouri lost. There's like a lot of famous terrible ways that Missouri. Of course, uses. the fifth down game's legendary. Kick yeah. the ball in the air, right? So, the Anderson kid. Yeah. And so, like, like this, that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm I'm married to an I'm married to an Auburn grad, and they they set up a 26 yard field goal this year for what is like. I'm thinking the only chance I have for my alma mater to beat my wife's alma mater in football. And they bring in an all-SEC kicker, and he yanks it to the left. And I'm like, well, that's just what's supposed to happen. College kickers. College (laughs) kickers. Joel, it is a busy week. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the insight on your Missouri Tigers. Good luck uh, Thursday at, I guess it's a 1.40 p.m. start here. Yeah, it's early. Yeah, it's right off the bat, which which means I don't have a lot of time for the nerves to get bad. Thanks, Joel. Yep. See ya. As the NCAA. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. A tournament selection has been announced. Indiana, we now know, as you heard Greg Gubble saying right there, the four seed. They will take on Kent State. Purdue is the number one seed. A number one seed, I should say. And that means that they will await the winner to find out who they play between Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson University. We have Bob, right, Mark? Yes, we do. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline to discuss that and more Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. Bob, before we get into some Colts discussion, let's begin with that. Purdue and Indiana, the only two locals, but what did you think of the draw for either? I I thought it was perfectly legitimate. I mean, I thought that once uh, UCLA got beat by Arizona in the Pac uh, in the Pac-12, that it was kind of a no-brainer. Whether they won or lost yesterday, it was almost immaterial. I thought that they were going to be slotted into the one. I think Indiana is basically where it belongs at at four. I think they've. I think both teams, if they play the way we think they can play, have a chance to go uh, deep. Uh, certainly into the second weekend. Um, I still believe Indiana has the higher ceiling. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little scared by some of the things I see with Purdue. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer can't hit the side of a barn these days. Uh, Braden Smith is not shooting particularly well. Um, and and they, can't, they can't handle the press. And I know it's a lot of negativity for a team that's uh, number one seed, but they scare the hell out of me. Bob Kravitz was at the Big Ten tournament up in Chicago here, and I guess you kind of answered that, that that question, anyways. Um, you know what David Jenkins did off the bench. Anything you saw out of Purdue um, calm any of your nerves on that front, or you still think you know the the, the guard issues with Press and Fletcher Lawyer? Um, that's your reason why you don't feel like their stay is going to be too too long. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that that scares me. I mean, look, Zach Eady is is a one of a kind. He's a unicorn. Um, and, and he's a great player um, who I, you know, they go as far as he goes. But I, I just, you know, uh, Micah Shrewsbury was saying that the other day in one of the press conferences that in the big, in, in, in the postseason, guards win. And what, in, what uh, Purdue is trying to do is very unique. You know, you just don't see a lot of teams, if any, uh, try to win a national title with a center dominant team. And, I mean, you got to go way back to the days of the dinosaurs to find teams that had those big, dominant centers who led them to a national title. So, you know, it'd be interesting if they're able to pull it off trying to do something that hasn't been done in a very long time. See, more pressure on Purdue, more pressure on Indiana to make a run in this tournament. I think Purdue has brought the pressure on themselves by being so great all year. Um, I, you know, look, Purdue was expected to be what sixth, I think, uh, in the big 10. So in a way, you know, if you look at a big picture, they're playing with house money. They've already accomplished so much this year, but because they've been so great this year, uh, I think it's changed the, the expectation level. So they, they probably have a little more pressure on, on them, especially given, their history and the whole Matt Painter can't win the big one narrative, which is obviously absurd, but it is what it is. Bob, to me, 
I was telling Kevin this earlier, and Mark, I want your your thought on this. I don't recall, you know, typically in the NCAA tournament, there is a very clear, you know, there's a team that you almost find yourself where you're talking yourself out of putting them in the title game because it is just so cachet to put them in the title game because they are so clear cut as a favorite. Right. I, this this year. <laughs> Wide open. I mean, it, it, this has to be as wide open as to me as I've ever seen. Like literally, every single team is twenty three and ten. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and I know that this is transfer portal. You you know, era basketball and whatever else. But do you agree that this is as wide open as a as a bracket field that we've seen in many many years? Oh, absolutely. And I and I really I don't see it going chalk uh, as much as it normally does. You get to that second weekend, and usually water finds its level and you know the saint peters of the world get knocked out um you know in in the in the uh, elite eight but uh yeah i think it's it's going to be wide open this year i don't see any monoliths out there i mean i think kansas can be really really good although they got crushed in the uh, i think in the big 12 tournament there, there's no team that i look at and say Oh yeah, they're they're the clear cut favorite. I mean, I, I I still don't believe in Houston. Um, you know, Purdue's got its issues, has its issues down the stretch, losing four of six during that one one period. So yeah, I I would agree. This is a year where we could really have a lot of upsets and and a team that we don't expect cutting down the nets in Houston. He's Bob Kravitz from the Athletic. He was up in Chicago for the Big Ten tournament. Tons of coverage. Over there from Bob with Purdue winning it all yesterday. Shifting gears to the Colts. I know this happened probably, what, um, I guess in between Purdue and Indiana's games on Friday (laughs) up at the United Center. But what were your thoughts once you finally got to settle in and see the trade that Frank Reich and the Panthers uh, gave up to Chicago for number one and the implications of that for the Colts at number four? Uh, My thought was some teams got cojones and some don't. That was my first thought is that I thought that uh, Carolina showed uh, a lot of fortitude making that move. I'm happy for Frank Reich. And in typical Chris Ballard fashion, uh, he's going to end up with likely his third choice in the the NFL draft. I mean, you get how many opportunities do you get to pick in the top four? You know, and for them to not get this done is, uh, I I think, a real – a real issue for Chris. Uh, I think he needed to move up. Uh, at this point, it makes no mo- no sense. I mean, Houston's going to get the set their second quarterback. I mean, it doesn't make sense to move up to three. I don't. I don't believe unless unless you have an argument to, to make otherwise. But I do. Yeah, it's it, 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 they had a big opportunity and they blew it. And I, I got to think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I got to think the fact that. Uh, Carolina was able to offer DJ Moore uh, may have been the deal breaker there uh, for the Colts because who the who, who are the Colts going to send along? But is it possible, Bob and Kevin? You can expand on this since you said you do have exception to that. I, to me, you move up to three from four if you feel there's a wide gap between Anthony, what you perceive to be the third and fourth quarterbacks taken, Richardson and Levis. That well, that would did- be. Well, who uh, at three now? You, you, I, I'm, I'm just waking up. So it's Arizona three. Correct. Yes. Yep. 
All right, they don't need a quarterback. I mean, well, maybe they need a quarterback, but they're not going to go quarterback, are they? No, I, I I think the appeal of trading up to three is, you know, and Jake was saying this, you would assume C.J. Stroud goes one, Bryce Young goes two. Okay. Then you would have the choice of either Levis or Richardson, and I think more than making that choice, you're now in control of the first breaking point of the draft. So if you make that trade today, which again, I would do it as soon as possible, now you control who calls you. Like Teams are now going to be calling you if they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks over the next couple of months, because you've got a quarterback needy team behind you at five but in Kevin, Seattle, Detroit at six, uh, Las Vegas at seven. So if you get to three, either you make the quarterback choice, not have either Levis or Richardson fall under your lap, or you can sit there at three, field calls for the next month, and if you want to trade back, then you can still do that But as assuming, well. and hang on, Bob, assuming, Kevin, that Arizona doesn't take a quarterback, then the Colts still have that at four. What if a team right. trades up that, above you? That would be the only thing That's you've got to worry about. Seattle, Detroit, oh, yeah. and Vegas, five, six, and seven. Seattle, Detroit, five, and six. They've got more ammo to trade up above you. Right, right. That 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 is something I hadn't thought of. You know, you really ought to have a radio show. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I can half-ass it here for uh, for three hours. Um, I, I know Bob Kravitz, again, from The Athletic, is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I know the free, ag- free agent names aren't the most household for the Colts this season, but we will start to see uh, free agency news all this week. Bob, Paris Campbell, Bobby Okereke, Yanni Kangakwe, you pounded a table for any of them to come back? No. Maybe Okereke. I thought he had a nice season. Um, I love Paris Campbell as a human being. I think he's a great dude. Really happy he had a fully healthy season. But, look, he's, he's what, 50th, 60th in the league in yards? I mean, yeah, he stayed healthy, but what, what are we going to give him, a fabulous parting gift? I mean, you know, he, he, he didn't produce big numbers. Of course, he didn't have a quarterback, so nobody produced big numbers. But, no, I'm, I think Okereke is the one guy I would think about. I realize that Ngakwe put up really nice numbers, and for some reason I don't remember any of the sacks. Does that sound crazy? Like I, I don't rem- I don't remember him making a game changing play, even though he had a lot of sacks. So no, I'm not pounding the table for any of those guys. Maybe maybe Bobby. Bobby, you think there's any chance the Colts don't take a quarterback? No. And they slide no, back. I, yeah, I I, I mean. Chris Ballard might as well, you know, sell his house and move on out of town if they don't take quarterback. They they got to take quarterback. I mean, I think he did just uh, sell his house, unless, right? Unless, unless, unless Lamar Jackson. Hello. Would you do that, Bob? It depends on what the what what's involved, but I'll tell you what: I'd rather take a proven commodity who's twenty six years old uh, and is one of the best quarterbacks in the league over. An unproven commodity, uh, who I realize is quite a bit cheaper, but I would certainly make. Uh, I, I kick the tires, no doubt about it. Uh, injuries, missing nine games of thirty-three the last two years, and all that guaranteed. You send them that that would not worry you. Not my money. Good point. That's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, this team has been playing it safe for so freaking long, and. I, I want to see them do something a little bit off the wall. And, you know, I, look, I mean, everybody knows that Deshaun Watson got an absurd contract and the Cleveland Browns screwed it up for everybody. 
But this is the world we live in. If you want to win right away, go get Lamar freaking Jackson and do whatever it takes. All chips in. Remember that? So that's a big chip to put in. And that's something I think they need to think real long and hard about. Bob, do you think it's possible? Bob Kravitz is our guest. He's with The Athletic. He's on the Payless Sickers hotline. Do you think it's possible that the Colts are a little bit cursed by the following? If you If you really look at it, this is a franchise that for a long time couldn't get out of its own way, and then the football gods just continued to bounce balls in the direction of the Colts. They got Peyton Manning. We know that history. Andrew Luck falls into their lap. We know how that worked out. Then they find themselves needing, and I mean that in a good way, they, they find themselves then needing a quarterback and – Lo and behold, at the eleventh hour, you know they're able to trade for Carson Wentz. It doesn't work out. Then they need another quarterback, and at the eleventh hour, Matt Ryan, who was a former league MVP, falls into their lap essentially with a late trade. Yes, that didn't work out as well as they thought. But do you think the Colts are cursed now of just kind of waiting to figure to themselves? You know, these things just work themselves out <laughs> as opposed to being proactive. I think this is a Chris Ballard production all the way. I mean, I think. I think Jim Irsay would be perfectly happy uh, making. You know, you know him. He likes the big, the big splash. But I, I think right now uh, this this is a a Chris Ballard production. I think he's got you know the power to do what he, what he feels is necessary at this point, which is probably the best thing. At the same time, he's just not built that way. He he is very very conservative. I, I saw. A quote of I think uh, either James Boyd or Zach quoted uh, somebody saying Ballard treats the Colts' money like it's his own, and 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 you can't do that. I mean they've got to take a mighty sw- Dave Kingman esque swing at somebody and sitting there at four and you know uh, that that's just that's just not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And uh, and I mean. You're in the AFC with all these great quarterbacks. You want to be a player? Go get Lamar freaking Jackson. Hey, Bob, I'm the, I'm the same age bracket as you, so for our younger audience, we'll replace Dave Kingman with Kyle Schwarber. Is that cool? Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, I want to read you a text, Bob. I know you, you love these. You need some help right now in the World Baseball Classic. I want to read you, Bob Kravitz, a text that was just sent to me and I'm gonna, because I want to give you the opportunity to respond to it. You ready? Uh, I, I'm not guilty. Uh, why does Kravitz never say that IU scares him? They keep losing and Purdue keeps winning. At some point, that matters. It's not a good matchup for Purdue to play Indiana, that's for sure. But the IU pandering is just tiring. Just call it like it is. Always going out of the way to say Purdue is struggling even though they win and IU is great even though they've hilariously underachieved. I'm not calling out you or Kevin, but Bob, I would think, would be better than that. Uh, he's a homer by now. I know you can't answer for him, but please ask why he continues to do this. Otherwise, you are going to turn Purdue fans away from your show. I don't agree with that, but your reaction. Oh, yeah. You keep having me on. Purdue Purdue people will go away, I'm quite sure. <laughs> um, uh, well, I just think I, I've made this case for weeks now. Uh, I think that Purdue uh, has got some holes that are they can't fill and i just think the ceiling it sounds crazy i know i think the ceiling is higher for indiana right now than it is for purdue it has nothing to do with 
Purdue hatred or any hatred. I mean, people think I went to IU. Guys, I grew up in New York. I didn't know anything about Indiana Purdue. I cared less. So, no, I just think I think Indiana's got two NBA guys. You know, I, I think Huchifino is going to be a special player. The, the question is whether he can play up to that that level in the postseason. Um, and I see a lot of things with Purdue that scare the hell out of me. If that guy doesn't like it, well, what can you do? That was a very mature end of that. Welcome I was to IU Bob Purdue. Was, I was hoping Bob was going to say, "Meet me at the hockey rink," you know, on Friday night here, and we can we can discuss oh, it. Exactly. That jersey's coming over your head, and I'm, <laughs> you'll be spitting chicklets in no time. Right. Uh, all right. Last one, Bob. Um, the Pacers. I know it's probably not top of mind at all. They've won <laughs> five of seven. They with 14 games to go. They are a half game out of the 10 seed, which is the play in. They're oh, a game no. out of the nine, which is also part of the play-in, of course. What positives do you see for the Pacers in the play-in game this year? Absolutely none. I don't see any. They need to lose. Somebody needs to get a hamstring pull. For God's sake, don't let this happen. I mean, you know, there's a lot to love about the Indiana Pacers this year. This is the least painful rebuilding season I've ever seen. I mean, it's actually been quite a bit of fun uh, to watch them play this year if you have the ability to actually watch them play on TV, which is difficult in our in our area. But, no, they, they – uh, if, I'm, if I'm Halliburton, my, my groin is tightening up, or maybe my hamstring, maybe a cap. I mean – I know they want to do as well as they possibly can, and I give them endless credit for not tanking. But they need to be—they don't—they don't—they don't need to be in the in the postseason. They just don't. I think there's a lot of validity to that. Um, classic Purdue hater Bob Kravitz with us That's here me. on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, I saw the sign you had on Media Row at the United Center of the Boiler Down sign. Uh, Bob, as always, thank you for the conversation on these Mondays. Are you going Columbus anywhere? Should we be? I'm headed to, I'm headed to Columbus, and then I'm praying we head to New York City. Go, go back home. There you go. Bob Kravitz following Purdue for as long as they play here. Well, in I'm the- a Purdue hater. Of course I'm coming <laughs> Purdue. <laughs>